coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. A double win for Dante Lam. Who knows where the Snowden goes? Kevin is back from Shanghai. And we look at the films Badges of Fury and World War Z. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Tuesday, June 25th, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox. And joining me, as always, finally, once again, from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor, is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. I'm back in Hong Kong. Welcome back, sir. How's it, how's it feel Thank to be you. back? Thank you. Um, honestly, my flight was delayed by three hours in Shanghai. So by the time we landed in Hong Kong, I was just happy to be back, mm. really, uh, because of weather. Before I landed, uh, or before I got on the flight, you know, it started raining and thunder. You know, so it was almost like Shanghai didn't want me to leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it could but, be worse. You could have been diverted to Moscow, right? <laughs> and, or yeah. I could be, uh, I could be telling everyone I'm on a flight to Havana, but didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is that is some really weird news. If you're following the uh, the Snowden news, so he's left Hong Kong and he was supposedly on a flight to Moscow that was going to transit over to I guess Havana and ultimately to Ecuador. Now nobody knows where this guy is. Um, I was kind of surprised that uh, he would choose to go to Moscow. Just you know. Thinking that he's an ex-CIA guy, he's worked for this, whatever this company is, you go to Moscow, you got to think somebody in the KGB or up in the higher echelons of, uh, you know, the Russian government is going to want to get your hands on you. It's probably not a safe place to make transit at, but uh, I don't know. That's just my paranoid thinking, perhaps. Uh, I think he had nowhere else to go, but honestly, I mean, just playing us off our fools, because, I mean... You know, the press was really right, right on it. They were following his flight. They knew where his plane seat was. It was like, it's not, it can't be that easy. This guy worked for the NSA. Yeah. Um, always, I mean, yeah, 17, so he got like, he got like 20 journalists to follow him on a flight that, that, you know, that isn't, that isn't allowed to serve alcohol. That's a great trick. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, that's not really movie related news, but I did see that someone has already made a sort of short film about this whole event. Oh, my um, God. And it's already up over on uh, Google+, and I will try to... I'll, I'll try to stick that... Uh, I'll try and... Uh, I think I give it a plus one. I didn't uh, didn't share it yet, but I'll try and share that later. Um, just sort of Very... a quick... Not, you know, kind of, they kind of make it look like an Infernal Affairs kind of a deal. Um, so it looks like it's shot in a couple places in Hong Kong, and it's like they've got all these different people from different organizations talking you know about the issue and it plays out more like a, a trailer than anything else but it's pretty interesting that somebody was able to pump it out um so very quickly 
But I guess that's part of the age, uh, you know, the new media age that we live in. Um, but enough of the Snowden talk. We'll talk more about Snowden when the movie of the week or the uh, HBO film or the Hollywood feature finally gets made. Um, Kevin, it's great to have you back, finally back here in Hong Kong. Thank um, you. And we are going to be talking about some news in just a minute, but we have a couple films to look at this week. And what are we going to look at? For East Screen, we'll be talking about uh, Badges of Fury, uh, starring uh, Jet Li and Wen Jiang and Michelle Chan. And pretty much... Uh, Everybody else in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> yes, it's just like a Lunar New Year movie. Um, it's kind of fun, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and uh, for West Screen, uh, Paul, you'll be talking about World War Z or well, Z, since we're in a, yeah. in a former British colony, so obviously I'll stick with Z. Or, or Zeke, uh, as some they, they refer to the zombies in the film. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll be talking about those two films and a little bit more coming up right after a little bit of news. <laughs> All right, so Kevin's just back, and um, I haven't really uncovered any big news uh, to talk about in terms of, of uh, actual film release news or anything significant in that era, but we do have a couple of news stories. One kind of sad that just actually happened, and um, we're still kind of processing it here, but uh, Kevin, you want to take us through the first news story about Dante Lam? Yes, uh, the sh- so you know I was at the Shanghai International Film Festival uh, covering... Uh, uh, news for uh, Film Business Asia, and um, so it's only fitting I would talk about the closing of the the, the, the festival. Um, so the competition uh, ended on Sunday with um, the eight prizes, the eight goblet golden goblet awards going to only three films uh, out of I think ten plus competition films. Um, the winning film for best film is uh, the Major from Russia. It won best film, uh, best director, and also outstanding. A- artistic achievement um and a swedish drama named reliance won the special jury prize um the best screenplay and uh best cinematography but for us uh on the show what we're more interested in is dante lamb's uh, latest film uh the mixed martial uh, arts um sports film uh, unbeatable uh nick chun uh, and and the ten, young ten year old actress named Crystal Lee uh, swept the acting awards by winning best actor and best actress. Um, I've seen the film and like and I, I I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but it's Nick Chern's strongest performance in years. I think uh, I think it surpasses all his dramatic stuff that he's done for Dante Lam uh, in these last couple of years. Um, and I think it's well deserved for both his physical transformation and also the um, the really careful balance between comedy and drama that he struck he struck in the film so i thought it's a well-deserved award um tenure crystal lee i think uh you i think it's also well-deserved because you definitely remember her uh you won't remember the two adult women but you remember crystal lee uh after you've seen the film it's a it's a very it's a great um performance i think so uh yeah both uh very well deserved now i haven't seen the film but uh the basic setup um, that I'm and that I'm kind of predicting is that uh, it's a father daughter kind of relationship. In a way, um, so so Nick Chen plays a uh, former boxer who who goes to Macau essentially to to escape his uh, debts in Hong Kong, and um, his old friend uh, hooks him up with a room, uh, subletting a room in an apartment, and uh, Crystal Lee plays the daughter of the mentally unstable woman who lives in the apartment. Oh, so it so they kept this kind of father daughter bond, but not really um and they 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 share a lot of screen time together so the whole film also hinges on um nick churn's um 
chemistry with Eddie Pan and also Nick Chen's chemistry with the young little girl. Um, and I think this the relationship between the two in the film is actually stronger than the one between him and Eddie Pang. So um, I think the jury uh, really they they were really they must have been really impressed by Crystal as as I think uh, many of us who saw the film were. Interesting. So uh, it, I I don't want you to spoil the film, but my my biggest fear is that this was going to go into you know sort of all about along territory or um, uh, what's the one with Lao Chang Wan? My dad is a jerk or. Uh, you know, if I'm thinking of Western movies like uh, Ricky Schroeder and The Champ, you know, where there's a there's a a father figure or a father who ultimately is kind of washed up and trying to <laughs> get get back into the event, and uh, ultimately it leads to uh, it leads to uh, bad things happening. We might say. Um, um, I'm I'm hoping know, it's not that that stereotypical. Am I am what? I wrong in that? The words uplifting and and uh, and uh, and uh, uplifting and 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 encouraging or what was it? Um, the words I use in my review. Well, the words uplifting is not one that you usually use for a Dante mm-hmm. Lamb film, but I think this this the first time ever I would use the word uplifting. Okay, good. And inspiring to use for a Dante Lamb film. But the plot is really. I mean, you've seen the Karate Kid. You've seen all these sports films. Uh, there's nothing new for you here mm. in Unbeatable. Um, what is new? What is what is imp- what I was impressed by was uh, the performances, um, both physical and the you know the, the complex uh, characterization that Nick Chern pulls off. And of course, you'll be really impressed by his muscle and Eddie Pang's muscles, and and just um, the fact that Dante Lam is finally kind of lightening up, doing like a nice, really enjoyable film. That's good. Um, so so I it, I think Unbeatable will will come out as one of the best ten films of the year. I think in the year for our awards. All right. When will we get a general release here? Any idea yet? August. August. Is the date. Yes. August. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right. On to our next bit of news. A bit of sad news. Um, that is uh, the famous director, martial artist, sometimes actor, uh, fight choreographer Lau Kalang has passed away. Um, I guess earlier today, basically, yes. um, and, and it was a bit of a surprise to me because um, what's really been in the news of late when we talk about this generation of, of artists has been um, Lau Ka Fai, you know, Gordon Gordon Liu, whose uh, his health has been kind of you know in and out uh, over the past year, and so I've seen him on lots of you know magazines and 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 other places being talked about and this kind of i had no idea that uh, lao kalung was uh, having health issues really um because it wasn't as front and center as um as gordon laos so um yeah it's it's kind of sad because uh, i really you know i mean you talk about somebody who's had a direct influence on me and my my love of hong kong cinema and he's at the top because i mean it's his film's um, that really, when I was very young, I was watching badly dubbed versions, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, they were the things I looked forward to on the weekends. They were the things I was watching, you know, on, on Saturday and Sunday afternoons on these, uh, you know, off-channel uh, TV networks. And, you know, it would only be later when I could actually get access to, you know, some of the stuff that hadn't been dubbed and, and edited for U.S. television and come to have an even stronger appreciation for it, um, you know. And he's really, he's literally made dozens of my favorite films, uh, things like uh, My Young Auntie, 
um, the lady is the boss, uh, heroes of the East, you know, and of course he's got the classics like the 36 chamber of Shaolin, which most people in the West would know. Um, not, not really my personal favorite, um, even though that's probably more, more well known. I'm more of a heroes of the East or legendary weapons of China or pretty much anything with Ho Ying Hong in it, um, was, was a big favorite of mine. But he also did some pretty well-known later stuff um, for the later generations of Hong Kong cinema. He worked with, um, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, like Chow Yun-Fat, right? In, uh, wasn't that uh, the Danny Lee, uh, Chow Yun-Fat movie, Tiger on the Beat, I think he did. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, with Jackie Chan in uh, Drunken Master 2. And uh, I think his last film, as I look at his filmography, was listed as uh, Drunken Monkey, which was uh, 2002. Well, his his final film um, as an actor and uh, I think fight choreographer was uh, Trey Hark's uh, Seven Swords. Mm. Right. Yeah, and his final final directorial film was uh, Drunken Monkey. Yes. Yes. Which was I guess around eight years after Drunken Master Three with uh, Andy Lau. And that was uh, actually quite an important film for his career. I think it was his twenty fifth film. I think. Uh, yeah, that, I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I always. He was so, he was such a larger than life kind of character. I always thought he had directed more than he actually did. Actually, his you look at his directorial list, and it's not a lot of films. But you go over and look at his uh, martial arts choreographer list, and um, he's he's got his hands in in other pies as well. And then he had some turns as an actor um, at times too, um, and apparently lived not too far from me. Uh, I can I can tell a little bit of a funny story. Uh, I I, I don't remember how I got a hold of it, but apparently um, somehow I uncovered his address, and I thought it was the address to his martial arts school. And so I walked over to this place. It's a it's a it's a sort of a high end gated community um, near in in the Taipo area near where I live. And so I thought, well, I'll walk over there and I'll find the school. And it turns out it's not a school. It's just like a home address. Um, and it's like, you know, it was a big gated house. And uh, I wasn't about to, you know, ring the bell and, uh, you, know, bar, you know, barge in on his home address because that wasn't what I was, what I was trying to, that wasn't what I was looking for. Um, but yeah, that's uh, about the closest in terms of a run-in I ever had with Lao Ka Lung. Met Lao Kafai a couple times though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sad that uh, the, the whole generation of martial artists um, are leaving us. Um, but uh, you know, we still have his films. Uh, many of his films are many of his films available right now. I mean, Drunken Master Two obviously is not really available. Um, are you some of his still, you, you, Yeah, you can still find quite a few of the classic stuff in the celestial releases. Um, there, I still see them around in shops, and I think. You can probably dig them up on uh, Amazon and eBay. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, if you'll be paying secondhand or or, or um, you know higher than than list price for them now because I think they're not printing them anymore. But I, you know, for sure you can still find uh, Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin. Um, I think I've seen uh, Lady Is the Boss. I, I think there's a re-release of Tiger on the Beat that's floating around out there. Things like Marshall Club. And my young auntie shouldn't be too difficult to find either. Um, yeah, uh, Drunken Master Two is an interesting one because that's got that's got a release that's out there um, that that I picked up a couple months ago, 
but it's a it's a weird release um, in terms of the the overall look. And uh, I think it was a rip from the laser disc, if I'm if, if I'm thinking correctly. And I do have a laser disc somewhere for that. Um, Drunken Monkeys everywhere you can find that really cheap. Um, usually that's like a three for Hong Kong ninety nine deal. Um, out and about, and I think I, I I think I have most of his films that he did as a director. I don't. I think there are a couple in that collection I don't have yet. Um, so yeah, definitely going to be somebody who's going to be missed. And and I think too, it's a, it's a shame because, you know, he was a martial artist who was a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think that that you know we look at people like him, uh, Gordon Liu, Jackie Chan, a handful of others who were martial artists first, and you know they they built a filmmaking career. And today you don't really have a lot of people who have that kind of a dynamic uh, in terms of their career portfolio. Today you have a lot of you know, we'll we'll talk about the the you know the the East Screen film this week in just a bit. Um, and one of the things you know I'm noticing in there is that the lead, not really that strong as a martial artist, but he gets by because of special effects and wire work and and a lot of stuff that back in the day these guys didn't have. They just had choreography. No, oh, even even Hong Kong cinema or cinema in general, commercial cinema in general, has become more you know filmmaker oriented, right? And and action has kind of been relegated to action choreographers who are who are directing the action scenes while the the filmmaker goes and quote quote unquote makes the real film, direct the rest of the film. Yeah. yeah. Um. We don't really have any you know martial artists uh, or action directors who actually direct an entire film. I mean, you don't see Ching Kalok making movies. Instead, he just leads the stunt team and, yeah. and does, does the stunts. The one uh, the one who still kind of dabbles is um, uh, Tony Cheng, Cheng Siu Dong. Cheng Siu Dong and also Yuan Wuping. Yeah. Yuan Wuping, uh, they're, they're, but they're really the last of a generation because there's really pretty. nobody coming up d- doing the same kinds of things anymore. Now it's all CG and, and stuff, and that's fine. I mean, uh, we've talked on other shows that ultimately this is going to we're going to get to a point to where you're not even going to need stuntmen anymore, you know, because you'll be able to do a morph right from the actual actor to ragdoll using ragdoll physics and do whatever you want with them and have the actor's face, you know, just plastered there. Um, and then, you know, when you get to the, oh, now the actor's on the ground, you do that shot and it's kind of like animation. You know, you have your... You have your keyframes, and then the computer handles the in-betweens based on whatever action you want them doing. And, you know, that's probably going to be the way things are done in, you know, the next decade or so. Yeah. All right. Well, again, a bit of sad news. And uh, I'm sure if you're out there listening, um, you've probably had some experience with Lao Ka Long films. If not, I would urge you um, to go and check some out because they are really good and still hold up um, really well today. Yeah, I saw Marshall Club uh, for the first time, uh, I think, about half a year ago or last year. And definitely excellent, yeah. excellent martial arts film. They don't make them, I had to use the cliche, but they really don't make them like, this, like no, them anymore. They, they certainly don't. All right. Let us move on to talk about some film. All right. So we've got one East screen film for this week. And that is the latest uh, vehicle featuring a whole bunch of people. 
<laughs> and I mean, I really, uh, I really did not think there was going to be this many people uh, in this film, and I was, I had a hard time kind of keeping up when I was writing notes. That, uh, the, and this is a uh, Badges of Fury, which is starring primarily uh, Wen Zhang and uh, Jet Li in an action role yet again, even though he said he wasn't doing any more action roles. <laughs> uh, so somebody talked him into it, and so here he is. And uh, Kevin, I want to let you give a quick synopsis, if you can, and uh, take us through your thoughts on Badges of Fury. Sure. Um, Badges of Fury is uh, first from first-time director Wan Ziming, uh, but it is the third pairing between uh, Wen Zhang and Jet Li. Uh, after they did, uh, first one together was Ocean Heaven, and then uh, Sorcerer and the White Snake, and this is their, their third film together. Um, this time, they, they are partnering up as a, uh, tr- a team of cops in Hong Kong. Um, I'm not even going to try and explain the logic behind that. You know, that's the way it is. Um, well, he's he's basically the... He's like the grizzled veteran. Well, it's... And I guess Wen Zong is the up-and-coming superstar, right? Yeah, it's well because I saw it in Mandarin. I saw it in China. Okay. So uh, to me, it just and and these two stars both actually all three stars speak Mandarin uh, in the film. So that's that's why I say. But okay, let's just, let's just say they're Hong Kongers anyway. So so we'll continue. <laughs> um, the film starts off with a series of uh, deaths um, that is a different different circumstance, but all end with the victims uh, smiling. So you have a a a, a kind of a pop star. Who who dies in a uh, a, a plane jumping accident uh, on the billboard? <laughs> yes, that was great. Uh, Kevin Chang, uh, played by Kevin Chang, um, a dancer played by Michael Say, who who, who dies uh, after a um, plump woman played by Michelle Lo uh, jumps on him, um, and a uh, real estate uh, manager um, played by Tong Dawei just sort of hops off. Uh, into a pool of cement and also died that way so so now um the police is starting to determine that hey they're all smiling so it must be a serial murder case but first the film introduces us to a team of cops a trio of cops uh wan Bu'er, played by wen jang who's kind of the young eager um cop who who always shows up trying to to solve one crime and accidentally solves another um the the like you like like paul like you said the grizzled veteran uh wang fei hong Played by Jet Li. Yes, it's totally uh, intentional. Um, plays like a veteran who is ready to quit. You know, he's like a Danny Glover character in Lethal Weapon. But of course, he still has some fight in him because, you know, he's Jet Li. And, the, and their boss, their superior, is actually um, um, played by Michelle Chan, uh, who apparently is not really a, 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 a uh, cop on the beat, but really more of a, you know, one who one who, who kind of sits back and does the you know, commanding, um, but she of course she's really really frustrated by these by by her two incompetent uh, 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 subordinates. Um, but after the latest case, um, uh, after another screw up where they try to catch a, um, a drug, try to stop a drug deal, but ends up going after a longtime fugitive played by Colin Chow. Um, <clears throat> they're they're uh, assigned to solve the smile murders. Um, and they 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 the 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 victims uh, apparently they all share one thing in common is that they're all f- uh, boyfriends of this uh, second tier star Liu Jinshui, uh played by Cecilia Liu. Um, but I think the the police seems to have their eyes on uh, and literally have their eyes on uh, uh, Jinshui's sister, um, Dai Yi, played by Ada Liu. Um, Which is weird because that? if I could just jump in, why did they have different 
surnames. Oh yeah, uh, they. I think they at one point they they uh, different fathers. They they explained. Okay. Different I, fathers. I, I uh, so they're that. only half. They're only half siblings. Um. So so the cops still are still trying to, you know, catch the. Oh yeah, the sister. Apparently, it's a very. Um, let's just say she dresses not very conservatively and and it's very well endowed. So so yes, the cops think, hey, she must be up to something. Or this one. Yeah, she's a Wong Jing girl who's not in a Wong Jing movie. <laughs> yes, I think that's that is exactly how it is. Um, so yeah, the the rest of the film uh is uh Wan Zhang is in Wan Bu and uh Wan Fei Hong and Ang- Angela, sorry Michelle Chan's character's name, uh trying to solve uh this crime. So so that's essentially the, the gist of badges of fury. Um, yes, it's made by mainland money. It has mainland stars. Uh, as a first-time Hong Kong director, but it totally feels like a love letter to early '90s Hong Kong cinema. It, it, it's like a Wong Jing film. It's actually not made by Wong Jing. It really has the best and worst of those films. It has, you know, a lot of silly uh, jokes, um, a fairly incoherent plot, uh, total digression. Just, you know, like set pieces just for the sake of having set pieces. Like there's an extended chase that Wong Jing does on a bicycle through town, as you know, as he goes. Goes after a taxi by by careening down hills and holding on to you know moving trucks and jumping through you know uh, buses and stuff like that. Um, you know it's over the top, very over the top. Um, ma- many of the characters often defy physics, so it's really you know the action is not really something you want to take uh, seriously. Um, but Paul, you were explaining. I think you were asking why Jet Li is in the film. The producer of the film is Trepo Ju, who produced. Um, Sorcerer in the White Snake, and is credited as the person who gave Jet Li his career. So uh, I, I suspect that it's very much like the Andy Lau Wang Jing situation, where if Triple Ju asked Jet Li for a favor, um, at, like appearing in a film, he would do it uh, for a certain amount of money. Sure. Um, so that's why Jet Li's in the film. But Wen Jiang is actually the real star. Jet Li does a few action sequences and then just sort of um, uh, runs off. And I think that is the problem with the film. I think a Wang Jing film. Wang Jing would try to find a way to really match these two characters all the time, and they would be, uh, you know, sharing fight scenes, and they would have, you know, uh, be solving the crime together. Uh, but here, um, it seems like they're the the producer or the director is just willing to let Jet Li check in for a couple of days, do, do you know, do his fight scenes, and then let Wen Jiang take care of the rest. Um, and I, I want to give credit to 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 Mr. Derek Ellie of Film Business Asia because he's the one who came over it. I I when I first came out, I thought, which Hong Kong star will pull up uh, Wen Jiang's role? And his answer, and I concur, is actually Ronald Chang. It's like uh, Wen Jiang is very much channeling Ronald Chang. I think um, in the early '90s, I'm not sure which star would, but if this film was made in late '90s or early 2000s, I think um, it would be like a dragon loaded uh, uh, third film. I don't um, know. I, I, you know, I, adding, I think, uh, I think the Wen Zhang would still be playing Jelly. I think Wen Zhang's character was a bit too cool, right? I mean, he he was. I don't think he was cool. I think that's the whole joke: is that he looks cool, but he's really he's really kind of dorky, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I think I think that's the the, the the styles of humor they were going for are a little bit different in my mind. I would I would think. Um, but yeah, I could see it. I could, I, I don't know, maybe a Nick Tsei. Well, I, I think the film could easily. Uh, Nick Tsei, no, Nick Tsei would be way too cool for it. He's really too cool because he has no sense of humor. Hmm. Um, or maybe I wouldn't Nick even Chan. say Ethan Chan. I think Ethan Chan may. Nick Chan may. Because what was what was the film they did? Was it last year, or two years ago? Um, the Treasure. 
Treasure Inn. Uh, the Treasure Inn movie they did, the Wang Jing movie. And, um... Well, but, but Jet Li would still be in the Jet Li role. Yeah. So it, it's a matter of finding, like, <laughs> maybe, like, early 90s, you'd be, like, it, think at high risk, right? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like, Jackie Chan would be doing that, right? Exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, if there's a Hong Kong actor, they will be they will be totally tuning his, um, you know, changing his, uh, the, com- the comic dynamics and the joke. But I think this is something that Ronald Chan could have pulled off. Um, and still be working with Jet Li. Um, Michelle Chan is also surprisingly present in the film. Um, essentially, it's 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 Wen Jiang and Michelle Chan together, and I thought she was very good. And, but I saw the Mandarin version, so everyone, um, the three stars, are speaking in the original voice voices. Um, so what I saw was okay. Michelle Chan was surprisingly good. I think as the sassy superior. Um, and Western Kung Fu fanboys, um, they may be disappointed in the comedy, but they'll get their fight fix. Um, in the beginning, you have Jet Li fighting Colin Chow. Then you have Jet Li fighting uh, Wu Jing. And then you have Jet Li fighting a, a bad guy who is a well-known martial arts actor. So, so um, you know, if you're really looking for Jet Li fights, you get free here. And, you know, I think that's fine. I'm not going to say who it is, but I think that's, you know, you get your fix. Um, but in the end, it's, it's totally uh, inconsequential. Uh, I think even back in the 90s, Golden Age, it would be a fun summer film that everyone forgets. Um, just like a Wang Jing film. Um, uh, but the plot, like I said, it totally doesn't make sense. Uh, there's like a five-second trip to Hainan over, all of a sudden near the third act. Uh, it does, so it's really strange. Uh, but never mind, we don't really have to care for the plot. Um, and I think it's really fun for any any old-school Hong Kong cinema fan, anyone who enjoyed the late 80s and the early 90s films, like even in my Lucky Stars film, I think um, I think they will, they will find value in this type of film. Yes, it's all mainlanders, but get over it. You know, Jet Li is it's a Hong, it's practically a Hong Kong actor to us anyway. So it's great to see him in a Hong Kong film. I heard the Cantonese version even has his um his usual dubbing actor doing his voice. Yes. Yes. So I mean, how can you not love this film? Right? And and back then everyone was dubbed in the first place, right? So so watch it in Cantonese. It doesn't really matter. Um, um, so I think those people who get it will will enjoy it. Um, but it will, it will fly over the heads of those who are expecting a real action film. Um, this is not an action film. You know, even the name Badges of Fury kind of selling that it's a comedy. All right. This is a comedy. It's a comedy action film. Um, so for one who's, you know, people like me who goes to see every Wang Jing film as easily as see it, even though, you know, don't expect a, a masterpiece. Like I said, it's a fine summer film. Um you know, so for people like us, I think who who you know Dynasty and Wanjing fans and or or regular Wanjing viewers, uh, totally see it, and everyone else, um, I think it's at least worth TVing it. Paul, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I I agree, um, pretty much with all your points. It's really, um, it it really does come across as as you know, sort of a nostalgic, uh, look at the 90s films crossed up with a little bit of comedy i mean they are kind of going for sort of a manga style feel with some of the humor i mean um you know people fall off buildings and you know it's like you know when when the coyote falls off a cliff nobody's really getting seriously hurt kind of a thing um and they're going for the the visual humor more than anything else a lot of times and and i'm okay Mm -hmm. with that um I will say that the film, in terms of the story, was really uneven, though, especially in the beginning, because you you first start off with these series of murders, and then it's like there's this weird opening 
with like a Voldemort skull that shows up in the sky. And, <laughs> and it comes back later. And I'm like, that was awesome. What, 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 what is that? You know, it, are, are, do these people have superpowers or what's going on? And, and there's a scene later with the, um, the actress who plays, uh, uh, Dai Yi Yi, the, the older sister. And, um, she's like moving in slow motion, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, is this really happening? Is this a gag effect or is she like got some superpower? Um, you know, what's going on? So there are moments of confusion when things, you know, aren't really clear. You've got Wen Zhang, who's a super martial artist and he's like jumping up like Superman, um, to, you know, second and third story windows some at times. And he's like throwing Michelle Chen through, uh, plate glass windows. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're supposed to laugh and, um, some some of the gags fall flat. There was one gag um, that uh, you know I was in a pretty full audience and nobody laughed at it. It was it was like a really short kind of verbal gag that just um, fell flat. But overall, I'd say that you know it was funny. People were laughing in the audience. Um, you know, people seemed to like the humor and they were responding well to it. I liked it, um, but you know it. it it's just got some uneven moments because, as you mentioned, um, you know, it starts off with this like stakeout. Um, they're going after this thing with money, and then suddenly Colin Cho shows up, and he's apparently got like this old history as a as a criminal, and it it messes with the investigation, and all that is like over in like ten minutes. And and Colin Cho never comes back. Yeah, and it, it, you never kind of come back to this point, and and so that some of some of the some of the narrative is a bit weird, and it doesn't really seem to fit in the greater context of the story. Um, and then it's just the cameos. There are just so many cameos, and like you said before, this is almost like uh, a Chinese New Year movie because like every other scene, somebody's popping up, and I'm like, what? Did Jet Li calling a bunch of favors? Um, you know, cause you've got all kinds of people. I mean, Stephen Fung shows up. I mean, he's okay, got, a... yeah, let's try let's, Let me try and throw out a long list of the cameos. I remember, uh, I'll, I'll see, 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 see if I miss anyone. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Paul? Kevin Chang, Michael mm-hmm. Say, Michelle Lowe, uh, Tong Dawei. So both sides of the border. Yeah. Wang Xiaoming. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, damn it. Lam Fong. Lam Shud. Lam Shud. Raymond Lam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, Alex Fong, yeah. uh, the swimmer, uh, Tian Liang. So that's two Olympic Olympic swimmers in one film. Um, who else do we have? Uh, both sides of the border. Um, Hong Kong, Hong Kong. Come on, you're forgetting the most Steffi. important important one. Steffi. Yeah, Steffi. <laughs> in in, in uh, like a scene that was totally yeah, inconsequential. Totally I, you know, because when I saw her in the credits, I was like, oh, great. You know, I kind of perked up. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and then finally she showed up. And I was like, "What? That's it? That's it? Come on!" Yes. In the beginning, they all you see all the cameo people fly through the screen like bullets. <laughs> it's that yeah. kind of movie. Yes, you're right. It's totally like a summer lunar new year movie. All the cameos. I thought I, I was disappointed that none of the heavenly king showed up though. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the, that's really all that was missing was like a Daniel Wu. You know, or an Andrew Lin or somebody popping in, and Andrew uh, Andrew Lin was in it. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he was Kuhn. in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so Kuhn. Uh, like I said, Colin Chow, Wu Jing. Uh, you have Bruce Lin. You have a uh, Lin Gai Yan. Uh, yeah, Jesus, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it, it, just keeping up with that is, 
you know, if you're somebody who likes to, you know, likes Lunar New Year movies, this will have something for you because just, you know, doing all the star spotting is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, the action was okay. I mean, it's good to see, you know, Jet Li going at it, especially with um, some of these other veterans who he has some scenes with. As I was saying before, though, um, when Zhang gets most of the screen time, he does get some action time as well. There's an, there's an interesting sequence where he's like at this, um, gathering with a bunch of old timers and it's actually a pretty good sequence, but I mean, he's, he's not as, um, you know, he's not a, he's not a martial artist first like Jet Li is. Right. And, and that shows at sometimes, but even with some of the fight scenes with Jet Li, um, some of the choreography wasn't as tight. Now, I think it was Corey Yoon who did the choreography for this. Yes, and it was very Corey Yoon, I think. And I don't know what Corey, really Corey Yoon means, but it was very, you know, a lot of wire work. Yeah, as a lot his, of uh, wire work. And, but there yes. were actually a couple shots where I remember very vivid, vividly in the scene with uh, Jet Li and Colin Cho, and the, there, there's a, a weird fight in the stairwell that uses a lot of wire work, which is really interesting in the approach they took, but there's one scene where they're like really doing a close-up shot and you can very visibly see um, that the Colin Cho has a, a big pad um, under his shirt in that shot. It's a, it's a chest kick shot. And I was just really surprised that um, they left that shot in because it was so visible. Um, <laughs> the rest of the fight scenes are pretty tight, um, you know, overall. And I think, again, if you're a martial arts fan, a Jet Li fan, You'll enjoy this, but I mean, this is nowhere near in the same category as something like, say, um, uh, Fearless, right? Or um, some some of his more serious martial arts films in recent years. Um, they do play a lot with the Jet Li kind of persona. Again, the character um, that he's playing is named Wong Fei Hong. And you know, so there, there's, <laughs> and he also has a theme song when he first shows yeah, up. Yeah, there's some, there's, there, they're definitely playing with some of the context. Um, um, with that, and again, the the English name Badges of Fury, and you know, if you know Jet Li's uh, filmography, things like New Fist of Fury and stuff. Um, so they're, I th I think they're playing to that a little bit. Um, they're also playing to Wen Wen Zhang and some of his stuff. I mean, he has a couple moments where he gets a little bit effeminate. You know, I mean, he's very very much a, uh, you know, an arrogant kind of a. I don't know, what would you say, what would you call him a um he, he's not really uh uh he's he's not really you know uh, he doesn't treat women badly but you know it's like uh he's a, a little bit misogynist a little bit just yeah like a little any, bit of just like any one jing comic hero yeah. right yeah um but and and yeah it's, it, again it's very much a wang jing feel to to a lot of his interactions with the girls around him um there there are ultimately three girls that he interacts with the two sisters and then his boss who he doesn't really treat like a boss. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's meant to be silly. It's meant to be manga-esque. And, um, you know, if you can get into that, if you can suspend your disbelief when they're doing all these crazy things like, you know, punches that knock people up to heaven and stuff, um, you'll you'll have fun with this. There There's enough here um, for it to be fun. And the, the overall, you know, the overall plot, though, gets a bit kind of convoluted because you're you're again trying to uncover who this murderer is uh, that's leaving dead people smiling and they really try and throw a lot of misdirects and ultimately like the cloud skull yes. yeah, yeah and ultimately who it ends up being kind of just comes from out of nowhere 
And so it's just sort of like a last minute thing they kind of dump in there. Um, I don't want to say much more than that because I don't wanna really want to spoil it, but um, uh, there is some funky CGI in a few places. Um, they they do some interesting tricks with wh where they're doing a sort of a close up camera where people get knocked back through windows and through car windshields and stuff. Um, that looks okay, but sometimes it looks a bit funky. Um, but I appreciate the fact that they were trying you know some new stuff with regard to um, the overall look of certain how certain action sequences will will end up. But uh, yeah, overall I'd say I liked it a lot more than I expected to. And um, yeah, I'd say it's a see it if you like Wong Jing style movies. I agree with Kevin that uh, uh, definitely a see it. Um, I know who would be a better uh, a better Hong Kong match, Sean Yu, right? As, what for for the one general? Yeah, it's not funny enough. You don't think so? He's not funny. You know, Playboy enough. cops and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, but he wasn't funny in Playboy cops. Love is a many stupid thing. Uh, yeah, but it's not that kind of funny. I don't think he does that. That Ronald Chang kind of funny. I okay. think you yeah. know Ronald Chang is hard to replace, and we we'll keep we we'll keep trying to rack our brains because you know it just happened after the film. It's like who in the early nineties will be doing this? And you know I keep thinking high risk and. Um, uh, Andy Lau is too cool for it, yeah, so maybe, we can't. Have maybe someone... Jackie Chung, but he's a. We were back before he his you know his yeah. his days, but um. Dicky Chung, I don't know. Nick Nicky Chung. Dick Dicky. Dicky Chung. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but we keep thinking someone too cool. We need someone who's like who only pretends to be cool. You know, yeah. even like Sammy, DJ yeah. Sammy, to yeah. a point maybe do this. <laughs> if we're looking at like a like a like a really cheap. Uh, uh, golden Typhoon, what was it back then? Uh, what was it called Golden uh, Steffi's Company? It was like made by Steffi's Company. Yeah, it would be like Sammy, mm. like DJ Sammy. Yes. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, Badges of Fury. Get out and check it out when you can. All right. I think it's time to move on and talk about some zombies. East Green, West Green. All right, so our West Screen film for this week is World War Z. Um, now, Kevin hasn't had a chance to get out and see this. Uh, I caught it the other day. so I'm I don't do zombie to... films. You don't do zombie films. Well, uh, I kind of don't do Brad Pitt films, but I did this one anyway. <laughs> uh, this is a, a film that's based off a somewhat famous book. Uh, I have quite a few friends who've read the book, who've raved about the book. Although I don't really know how close this film is to the book. Because what I've been told about the book is that the approach it takes um, is a little bit different from a normal narrative. So I'm not sure that uh, this film is a direct adaptation of the book. I know there was some controversy. I think they brought in some different writers and things. Um, but basically it's a zombie film. And if you've seen one zombie film of late, you've probably seen... Um, something that's going to show up in this film in some way, shape, or form. But the basic plot is that you have this main, the main character played by Brad Pitt, who's headlighting the film. Uh, his name is Jerry Lane. He's a former UN investigator um, who's kind of now retired, living a quiet life um, with his family. And like many films of this genre, um, they kind of build up to what's happening uh, through a series of like news reports and you know image flashes and things um, as the credits are going. Um, and so we're out on sort of a morning drive uh, with his family when um, basically uh, the events start to unfold in the United States where people are basically 
um, turning into zombies. Um, now the difference here from you know what you've seen in the old Romero zombie films, or even to an extent what you might have seen in the in the more similar Rage zombie films of um, what was it, like 28 Days Later, um, or even if you're watching something like The Walking Dead, is that the zombie um, the the zombie turnaround time here from bite to zombification is about 12 seconds. Right. And so that's the that's the basis of how this film is a little bit different from other zombie films is that it's super fast. You know, you go back to the old Romero films and you would get, you know, it was always the case that one of one of your party was bitten, but they wouldn't turn for like, you know, uh, 12 to 24 hours. So you had that delayed period of what do you do with them, you know, and it would create that sort of dramatic tension. Well, now it's bite watch the guy thr thrash around, and then boom, he's a zombie, he's chasing after you. And so that takes sort of the rage-style zombies that were put forward in 28 days um, twenty eight days later, and it amps them up a little bit, because now um, anybody who gets bitten is potentially a zombie in mere moments and joining sort of the zombie horde. And that's kind of the the big SFX event for this, is that they have a couple of these sequences where you know, you have these just, you know, more and more people joining this mass horde and it becomes like a running of the bulls, except it's a running of the zombies, basically. Um, so, yeah, so basically he's with his family and um, this thing happens and so they all flee from the city. He gets in contact with uh, a friend of his. Um, I think the actor's uh, Fena Mokoana, if I can pronounce that correctly. Um, who's the UN, uh, he's a secretary or secretary general in the UN, and um, he is friends, he's worked with uh, Brad Pitt's character in the past, and so he wants to bring him on board um, to help root out uh, what is going on, why, why, you know, why there are suddenly zombies all over the world and why it's spreading. Um, initially, Brad Pitt's very reluctant to do so, but when they realize that the world's falling apart and they've got no place to go, um, he agrees as long as they agree to get his family um, and, and take his family to safety. So uh, that sort of sets up the family drama dynamic. Um, very quickly after that, Brad Pitt is kind of out into the field and traveling the world, going to places like Korea, uh, then to uh, Israel, and then to London to try and track down what exactly is the source uh, of this plague and exactly how they can figure out a way to combat it. From there, it's pretty much standard zombie fare mixed in with, uh, you know, films where they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, uh, how to combat a virus, things like contagion or the Andromeda strain or this kind of a thing. And, um, so yeah, it's, I, I would say that, uh, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Brad Pitt fan, and I didn't think that Brad Pitt was perhaps the best person for this role because he just kind of stands around and looks like Brad Pitt. I mean, you could basically... He could have walked off set from doing his Chanel Number no. 5 commercial <laughs> and walked onto this set, and there's not a whole lot of difference. He would still say in inevitable. Yeah, yeah. And... um. <laughs> You know, there he he does have some really good people in the supporting cast. the The actors, the actress playing his wife is good. Um, he meets up later with um, 
um, a Navy SEAL played by uh, Matthew Fox, who's got a you know a small role. David Morse as a small role. Um, he meets this young woman, Danella Kurtetz, is the uh, soldier in Israel, uh, who ends up accompanying him, and she and she has a a very common plot device in zombie movies happened to her at, at one point, and uh, so yeah, there's it's just sort of traipsing around the world and seeing. Uh, you know, zombies in different places doing pretty much typical zombie things. So it's not, it, it wasn't as, as exciting of, of a narrative as I'd hoped for. Um, it's certainly not as, I mean, again, they, they do kind of push this fact that it's got this quick turnaround time and, it, you know, you can have this zombie horde suddenly just come out and rush. And, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the zombies, like, going up, the, the side of this wall in Israel, and um, I think a couple of the posters show these zombies kind of building this human tower as they lunge for a helicopter, and that's all great imagery. Unfortunately, it's all CGI, too, and it's not always the most realistic looking um, in terms of uh, the, the action or the motion or the colors that, that are going on. Um, sometimes it just doesn't fit well. When the film's at its best, it's doing the typical kind of zombie stuff where it's a couple zombies in a room and they're trying to avoid detection kind of a thing. Um, and But that's all stuff that we can kind of see on a somewhat regular basis, too, in something like The Walking Dead. So again, it's not a lot of new territory. It's not a lot of new ground. It's not really pushing the genre uh, in many ways. And so, yeah, if you're somebody who likes... You know, if you're somebody who likes zombie movies, you'll get some mileage out of this. Um, but if not, I'd say, yeah, it's not something you need to rush out and catch right away. Even if you're a a huge Brad Pitt fan, you know, just go watch the Chanel Number no. 5 commercial again and uh, <laughs> pretend there's a zombie right off camera, and uh, then you'll have this movie. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm probably being a bit too harsh. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, again, if you... Especially if you're somebody who's not had a lot of exposure to zombie films, you'll probably appreciate this uh, a lot more than somebody who's probably seen every George Romero film, including things like Diary of the Dead and some of the really terrible follow-ups that, that have since come out. Um, uh, but yeah, it's... it's uh, I, I think I would like it a lot better if it had a different person in the lead, perhaps, but um, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. So I'd say it's a TV, a solid TV. Kevin, you don't do zombies? No, is it is it scary? It's is got a couple a lot moments of crap popping out. No, I mean it's got a couple moments where it tries to get you to jump, but mostly it's you know, it's about the mass zombies uh, and the spread of the infection more than anything else. Um, and so they do a couple things like you know, the there's a there's a scene where they're in Korea and it's night. So here you're dealing with um darkness as the main thing there's another sequence that happens on a plane so you're dealing with confined space um but then you've got this the 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 money shot that they show in the trailer is like the this horde uh that's out in israel um but then the final final film the final part of the film is at this um it's like a a biology lab or a world health organization center. And so it's, it's basically doing what most zombie 
genre films end up doing is putting people in a confined space with limited options, uh, having to do some task, you know, with these with these things in their way, um, and how they go about doing that. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's a you know if if you're it's not it's not something that's going to scare your socks off for sure. It, okay. It's it's and it, the other thing the two is that it's not uh, it's not gory, as it were. There's 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 implied violence for sure, um, but it's not like uh, you know Day of the Dead or something or even Shaun of the Dead. If you've seen Shaun of the Dead, you know there's that scene where you know the characters kind of getting pulled through the window and you know you see flesh getting ripped and you know a lot of zombie films you'll see like people pulling out pig intestines and stuff like that. There's none of that really here. Um, so the gore factor is, is almost non-existent, but there's a lot of implied violence. Um, there's some things that happen that aren't shown directly on the screen that, you know, get you to understanding that, yeah, there's some things going on, um, that are pretty bad, but, uh, nothing, nothing near the levels of stuff that's come before it. And even the zombies themselves, um, because of, you know, again, because the turnaround time for these zombies is very, very short. So they're more like rage zombies. They're not all you don't see a lot of decayed zombies. So even if you're used to watching something like the walking dead, you'll see much more hideous looking zombies in the walking dead than you will in this film. What, what I really hate about, you know, these, these current horror film is the whole jolt thing that's I, I don't really care about the video i mean I, like i said I've, like you said you know you've seen the walking dead i mean that stuff is by now we kind of desensitized so i, I really don't just don't like uh, the joke so i prefer to watch these things at home on tv yeah um but yeah um but like uh, like you said if it's not if i'm not in a rush to see it then yeah it's no big deal i'll just uh, wait till a home video yeah if, if you don't like the jolt thing you're not gonna watch want to watch uh what did i watch the other day mama <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure <laughs> Which is a really good ghost story, um, really, really well done for sort of a, you know, a, what is, I think it's a Spanish Canadian feature, um, and they they kind of hit on all the notes with uh, for what I like with a ghost ghost story, but yeah, it, it definitely goes the jolt route, which um, can get annoying if it's overused. Yeah. All right, I think that's gonna wrap it up for West Screen. So let's move on. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, folks. Um, no video this week and uh, no comments to make note of on the website. Uh, anything on your end, Kevin? Comment um no oh facebook uh no someone asked about the arvin chan film uh will you still love me tomorrow um i've actually responded on the site but you haven't seen the film right i Paul? have not no uh, i will talk about it a little bit here it's a very light charming comedy about a uh richie Yen playing a man who who um a married man who essentially comes out uh realizes that he's actually gay and decides to embrace that lifestyle um you know the the reader, by the way, her name is Jenny Say. She asked us on uh, on Facebook, and I responded. I said it's a very charming film. I was really won over. It's it's quite slight, but um, 
uh, but if you see it at a film festival, um, if you like Thai, these type Taiwan types of uh, you know light comedies or light um, dramas, uh, I would certainly encourage you to, to go check it. Check it out. All right. Um, so yeah, that's gonna do it, folks. And if you'd like to be part of the show, the website is www.kongcast.com. And you can drop us a line over there. Leave us some comments, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also hit us up on iTunes. Uh, leave us some feedback that helps out the show. And if you want to follow along on Twitter, the show's Twitter is twitter.com slash kongcast, K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T. And you can also follow Kevin over at Twitter twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. That is one word. And do follow him because, I mean, he's always going off to film festivals, and he's involved in a lot of other projects that are film-related, and he tweets a lot of film, uh, interesting film news as well. Um, for email, you can hit us up at eastscreen at gmail.com. Uh, send us a comment, a question, or even a short uh, MP3 file with a uh, comment or even a review, and we might just play it here on the show. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us through the Facebook, it is facebook.com slash eastswests. We'd love to hear from you from there as well. Uh, you can catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio. We thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks go out to Rob Gobbers of Snauzer Studios for our theme, uh, Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for helping us to arrange movie nights here in Hong Kong. Uh, the K-Man... Kevin, for sticking with me for 151, soon to be maybe 152 episodes. Uh, and, of course, you, the listeners, for being out there and listening. Uh, we like doing this show because we know you like listening. Uh, next show, 152, what's on the slate? Maybe Man of Steel, I guess? Man of Steel, but there's no uh, e-screen movie, is there? I think there might be. I have to double-check. I think uh, the next thing is the horror movie, right? The horror film? No, no, no. Next week should be Blind Detective. Uh, I mean, July 4th is uh, Blind Detective, so oh, that will yeah. come before the the horror film. Um, uh, I'm checking the uh, slate right now. See, There's also an animated film, Epic, uh, from Fox. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to see that, but um, Superman, I guess. But we could always um, wait until we have Blind Detective. Yeah, we we'll have something, hopefully, uh, for the next show. But whatever it is... Uh... You know, we will uh, bring with bring with it the uh, love and affection for all films, both East and West Screen. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Peace.